0: Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about early adi- um, how early identification of budding emotional and behavioral issues is the best prevention of suicide. Once again, we don't want to wait until that's a full-grown thorn bush. We want to catch it when it's starting to bud. So let's talk about what that looks like. But before we do that, I would like you all to pull out your little worksheets again. And we're going to go to number two. And on number two, it asks you to put the possible seed that that child, who you picked earlier on your exercise, what possible seed is that child or that teenager believing that's driving those behaviors? So if you'll, once again, take a, take a look at the weeds remind yourself of the behaviors and then think about after you heard the stories the three different stories think about what could possibly be the seeds at the root of that person's behaviors some examples no one loves me I don't matter I don't belong no one accepts me there's something wrong with me I'm a failure I'm bad a reject, worthless, no one cares, I'm going to die, I will always be alone, no one needs me, I'm stupid. If you don't mind, on number two, within the heart, you'll see the little seeds. Put at least one seed, sad seed that that child or teenager may have in his heart that drives those behaviors, those weeds. And I'll tell you, some students, some, some children have all seven. I probably had all seven many times in my life. But I really want you to just kind of hone in and think about what could be going on in their mind. We'll take a couple of minutes to do that. All right, so if you could once again turn your paper over, try not to work ahead, we'll come back to it. So let's talk about how to train our eyes to see. Oh, I do have a clicker up there. Somebody's hiding because I can't see anybody up there. Okay, good, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so let's train our eyes to see and look for budding emotional Behavioral health issues. We want to watch for outward symptoms. Kids who get in trouble often. Now, I want to make sure I say that we want to look for themes and patterns. Not every child who gets in trouble, okay, has a mental health issue or has an addiction. Kids will be kids, and we have to remember that. But if you see a child or a teenager who all of a sudden is getting in trouble more and more and more, or a child who that's kind of been their lifestyle for quite a while, there is very likely a seed in there. And I will tell you, every human has them. We all have seeds. But they're really starting to bud if you see this as a chronic issue. You want to watch for those who have dropping grades. Not every child who's in algebra or, you know, geometry, who gets a B or a C. That's not what I'm talking about. Those students who... A students you know maybe B students and all of a sudden their C's D's F's they're dropping that's a red flag we want to watch for that students who are hyperactive impulsive ADHD there's a lot of research that shows that ADHD is trauma trauma is at the root now that does not mean if you have a child who has ADHD or if you have ADHD, that does not mean, mean you've been abused or neglected. Remember what we talked about with trauma? I have had lots and lots of children and adults who go back to trauma seeds where maybe they lost a puppy dog when they were little or they moved several times. You know, that's not, for a child, they're, very, they're a concrete thinker. And so for them, they're also connected to their environment. So, death is not the only loss for a child. If they move homes several times when they're little. If they transfer schools several times when they're little. Think about all the disconnections that happen. For a child, that can be very traumatic. You know, that happens, that's life, right? But at the same time, you wanna watch for these things. And ADHD is a symptom of a deeper rooted issue. I have seen that for the last 10 years. It's always trauma-based. And it's also, um, especially the ADHD inattention, is a flight behavior. Think about it. They're looking right at you, but where's their brain? (laughs) You ever seen that before? Looking right at you, but they're not with you. (laughs) That's a flight behavior. It's way safer to stay up here in this world than to be right here. So it's an escape. Fight, flight, or freeze. Um, lying is another red flag. Now, every human has told a lie on the planet, okay? But if you see patterns of that, that can also be an addiction. Lying um, is a self-protective behavior. I had a little girl once in an after-school program who was walking down the hallway, and she was carrying some water, and she dropped it. And immediately, she looked at me, and she said, I didn't do that. I'm thinking, yes, you did. I saw you drop that water. But what was her first response? I didn't do that. Mama had a lot of weeds, and she got in trouble every time she made a mess at home. OCD, sometimes that can really affect our kids. And so that little girl, what was her first tendency? And if it got her out in trouble a couple of times, then what do we do? We use it more and more and more. Once again, it can become a little addiction. Tantrums. Chronic tantrums. Not every two-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old who throws a tantrum needs mental health counseling, but we want to start watching. And what did I say about mental health? We all have mental health. Sometimes preventative is just good. Have somebody lay eyes on that child. If you're in a school district, have your counselor or maybe just talk to a therapist and say, I'm noticing these patterns with these students, you know. Um, If it's your own child, reach out. Preventative is the key. We don't want to wait until that child has a full-blown thorn bush in their garden. We want to stop it when it's smaller. Social withdrawal is a big one. It's a disconnection. We were made to be connected. Have you ever seen the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? He creates Wilson, the soccer ball, because he's on a desert, an island all by himself. The human brain will do what it takes to survive. Just a little tip. I've seen hallucinations a lot, worked with hallucinations a lot. The brain will create a friend and do whatever it needs to do to survive. The problem with that is in the beginning, it's a friend. In the end, it always takes more. It actually tells you what the seed is. It's very interesting when you work with complex trauma what you see. The brain will create whatever it needs to survive. We're actually made pretty cool the way that we were made. Okay? Now, that's not a good one. That's not a fun one when people deal with that. But I'm just telling you, it's pretty interesting how it's kind of similar across the board. We will create what we need to create inside to survive. Aggression, that's an obvious one, right? Fight mode. Being, or being the bully or being bullied. Both of those are key. We tend to gravitate to the child who's being bullied, right? We know they need help. But what about the bully? The Jason Foundation says there is a, definitely a correlation with suicide and the bully. They need just as much help as the child who's being bullied. we got to pay attention to that. Definitely need to pay attention to that. Kids who cry easily have a hard time with self-regulation. Trauma can do that, you know. On the drop of the hat, they're just like upset, and you're like, what happened? What did I say or what did I do? Okay. Um, kids who get lost in books, reading, and don't socialize. I mentioned that earlier. Um, I I think about, I've heard this story more than once where we talk about this sometimes when I train in districts, and and afterwards I'll have someone say, yeah, but I have this little girl, she's just, she's, I mean, she's reading on a 10th grade level, and she's in the 5th grade, and she walks around all day long with her books in her hand. Well, I see the benefits of that. She's growing in knowledge, right? But why is she on the playground all day long in a book? And every chance she has to socialize, she's lost in a book. Because sometimes this world is safer. How easy is it to get lost in Facebook? I'm personally on a Facebook sabbatical, and I'm proud of myself. But is that not an easy thing to do sometimes, ladies? Maybe some of you guys, too. We get home at night, and we're tired, and leave me alone, everybody. We can zone out, right? Think about how easy it is to zone out. That's a flight behavior. And then what do we do? We gravitate to our phones. And I'm not saying you're addicted. You may be budding addiction. That's why I took a Facebook sabbatical. But you want to pay attention to that. There's a big issue right now with children in video games. A big problem with that. And I work with a lot of parents who are in survival mode because they never dealt with their weeds. And some of us in this room are in survival mode. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That means you've got weeds. And when you're in survival mode and you come home and you're just trying to survive and make sure the kids have food and water, it's easy to give them a phone. It's easy to give them a video game. And we have kids who are so lost in video game world that that becomes the reality. We will project what's in here. We have children who are walking into schools who are raised in good families and they got lost in video games. And that's all they saw was combat and battle. And they're playing that out on other people. That's not okay. So we start small. Be careful if, you know, with, with parents. Uh, all, all of us in this room, you know, watch your phone. Porn's another big one I'm seeing a lot as a mental health counselor with young children. Did you know porn is two clicks away? A kid watches a video game app or a, a video game, and all of a sudden it's connected to the Internet. Parents don't always know this. You know, hey, here's this is a safe game. This is just a little kid's game. And advertisements come on two clicks away. I've ha- I have lots of kids I've worked with who I'm dealing with serious porn addictions at six and seven years old. These are not bad kids, and these are not bad parents. Okay? So you want to you safeguard that. One quick way to do that is when you hand your, if you hand your child a phone, Take the internet away. Download apps that do not have internet. Put it on airplane mode. Things still play. There's lots of little things like that you can do. Um, and I'm speaking to myself here. I've learned a lot of this, you know. It's just easy to hand a phone when you're at the doctor's office. Like, just here you go, right? But we want to pay attention to that because the generation we're raising these day, it's, they're different than how we were raised. So we've got to be very mindful of that. Um, kids who get upset over trivial matters, that's, that's, once again, it's like all of a sudden you're upset because you got a 99 and not a 100 on your, on your test, right? Or all of a sudden you just exploded because I looked at you wrong. That's definitely a budding weed we want to we work with. Kids who tend to worry often, that's anxiety. Worry, 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 worry. That's a common one these days with probably a lot of us, too. That's probably a budding weed. Kids who have bruising or marks on their body. Once again, I know that there can be health conditions. There's things that can be attributed to that, but you want to watch for that. Kids who make excuses for why they have bruises again this week. Those are outward signs. Kids who wear heavy clothes in the heat. I'll never forget a little girl I worked with. One of my first cases about 15 years ago as a counselor she would come to school in the August heat, and she had a uh, turtleneck on and a jacket in August. And it was all zipped up. She was a little bitty thing, and she'd come into sessions, and she'd sit, just sit there. And, of course, I'm just fanning myself, looking at her, right, burning. Like, I don't know how she's handling that. And um, it took about two to three months before her, before she finally let us know what was going on. And her stepdad was raping her from five years old up. And she was nine, I believe, at the time. So what was she doing? She was covering herself. You see, children are speaking to us. Teenagers are speaking to us. They're telling us something. They're telling us stories with their actions and their words. When we learn to speak their language and we learn to decode it, you'll see a whole other world. Think about when you were a kid. How many times did we just want somebody to know what I'm trying to say and you're not getting it. You're a big grown-up and you just don't get it. That's hard, isn't it? A lot of times with children and teenagers, they're speaking Russian and we're speaking Chinese. They don't understand our language and we don't understand theirs. It's very similar. So we want to think about those things. Kids who urinate or soil their pants, once again, that doesn't mean every child who does that has something going on. It could be um, physical or a medical issue, but you want to pay attention to that because that's also correlated. With some issues okay kids who complain of stomach pains or headaches often I see that a lot I've done a lot of trainings for nurses in the state and I love training nurses because they say that all the time man I have these little ones who come to my office and they have headaches and belly aches all the time but there's nothing wrong that's very correlated with anxiety think about maybe the last time you were upset feel it right here or in your belly or in your shoulders We carry stress in our body. It's very common. Children do, too. And, of course, addictions. When you see children or teenagers who have addictions of any kind, we really need to start moving, right? Because those are starting to bud a little bit taller. So you want to, once again, you want to train your eyes to see the subtle signs. And we've talked about some of this. Perfectionist behaviors, a lot of times we miss those. You know, the child who's sitting on the front row in school, oh, they're okay. They've got great grades. Sometimes they're the ones who are struggling the most. Students who numb their feelings and have lack of emotion. You ever seen those children and teenagers who look straight at you and they're not with you? Have the cold eyes. They're numbing, they're not feeling like a zombie. And we have to begin to penetrate their heart with lots of seeds of love. That's when we have to really start paying attention when they're, when they're numbing. Um, students are loud, drama queen, queens, jokesters, pay attention to a child student's um, history, multiple losses, family life, social history. And you. we really want to start watching for statements and themes of hopelessness. This is a very big, big deal. Hopelessness is a driver to suicide. When a child feels helpless, they can stay in survival mode. They're just swimming, right, in that water trying to stay afloat. I mean, we have children in the school systems that come in at 4 years old and leave at 18, and they're still in survival mode. Lots and lots and lots of trauma and complex trauma. But when you start seeing a student give up and succumb to the water, or a child... And you start hearing themes of hopelessness, or I don't want to be here anymore. Guys, we have to act, and we have to act quickly. Because those are, the, those are the students who literally, their thoughts of one minute just thinking about not wanting to be alive on earth could shift to an attempt. Okay? So you want to be very, very mindful of this. I want to read the definition of hopelessness. Having no expectation of good or success... Despairing, not susceptible to remedy or cure, giving no ground for hope, desperate, incapable of solution, management, or accomplishment, impossible. How heavy is that to have these feelings? And probably every one of us in this room have had these feelings at one point in our life. Hopelessness is heavy. We've got little ones and teenagers who feel this all the time. I say this uh, many times to my teenagers who come for counseling sessions. I've said this with adults and little ones. And I'll paint a picture for them of a dark cave because I know what that dark cave feels like. I've been in that place of hopelessness. I may not know what they're going through, but I've been in that place of hopelessness. And I'll paint this picture for them that it feels like you're in a really, really dark cave and no one is there. And it's dark and it's cold and you're way far in the back and you're just laying there. And you feel like it's never going to get better, and you're never going to get out. I'll say, I want you to lift your little chin up and start looking for the pinhole of light at the end of the cave. Start looking at the roof. Start looking all around for the pinhole of light through the cracks in the cave wall. Hope is coming for you. Miss Shauna's coming for you. We're not going to leave you in that cave. And if I'm in a school system, I may say their teacher, their favorite teacher, the school counselor, the principal, Miss Smith is coming for you too. We're not going to leave you in there. That speaks to the security. Remember those seven and eight needs? Security is I'm going to throw you a lifeline. It may not be tomorrow that you get out of that cave. And with some of the little ones we work with in the schools, we know it may not be until they're 18 and they walk out of that home. But I'm going to throw that lifeline of hope to them every chance I get. And this is why every one of us in this room, this is something we all have to do. We can't save every child. We're not God, right? But every little, t- everything we do matters. When you smile at a stranger on the street... You know, when you send a text message to someone who comes to your mind you haven't thought about in a long time just to say, hey, I just want you to know I care about you today. You never know when that is a light at the end of the tunnel for them. Those little things don't ever think or don't ever take for granted that they don't count or that they don't matter because they do. And you can do lots of uh, research on the Internet where there's so many successful, famous people that will say, I had nothing in my life. But this one person or this one teacher said one thing to me and everything changed. Have You heard that before? Those little moments do matter. They really absolutely do matter. So we want to do that. So here's some statistics. Four out of five teens who attempt suicide give clear warning signs. The Jason Foundation, Clark Flat actually says suicide is preventable. Now, that's a hard one to say, especially for a man who lost his son. But once again, we don't always know the signs to look for. When we know, we start looking. So here are some of the signs to look for. He says it is preventable. When you see a child or an adult talk about suicide, even if it appears to be for attention to get them out of trouble, regardless if they're really actively suicidal, if they're threatening, get them help. There's something deeper, whether it's just for attention or not, there's a deeper-rooted issue. Get them help before that cry for help actually becomes an addiction. I've seen that before, threatening it, and I get attention, and I go to the hospitals. What do we talk about with addictions? Sometimes if it makes me feel better as a bandage, I use it more and more and more. So we want to pay attention to that. Making statements about feeling hopeless, helpless, or worthless. Um, If you're a teacher or um, you're somewhere, you know, if you work with a child one-on-one, watch their drawings. Watch their, you know, what they write in their journals. Watch for statements and themes of hopelessness, worthlessness, helplessness. Parents, start listening to your your children's conversations with others. They'll tell you a lot. Sometimes we have to tune our eyes and our ears in. Um, A preoccupation with death look for themes, taking unnecessary risk or exhibiting self-destructive behaviors. I've seen teenagers literally be so numb they don't feel that they go down the road 100 miles an hour. They don't care if they die. They're numbing. It's like every little thing gives them a high. They look for something to give them some feeling. That's a problem. The issue is not that they're speeding. We'll get in trouble for that. The issue is that there's something deeper for them not to be feeling and to be going down to the road and having that behavior. Out-of-character behavior. A loss of interest in the things one cares about. All of a sudden, they're out of band. I don't want to play basketball anymore. But yet, they've done it for years and years and years and years. Visiting or calling one cares about. All of a sudden, getting a random text message. Just want you to know how much I love you. And you're like, what? You want to reach out. You want to throw that lifeline. Making arrangements. Setting one's affairs in order. When they start, you know, preparing, when I'm not here, those little conversations, those little comments they make, giving prized possessions away. I'll never forget several years ago, um, a a school counselor called me about a young lady. She had just went through a training on suicide prevention, and she recognized a sign. A young lady came to school, and she had a big um, bag of designer jeans. She was handing them out to her friends and she knew that that was definitely an out-of-character behavior and something wasn't right, giving prized possessions away, she called home and told her mother, and her mother went and checked her room and found a suicide note. Little things like that, once again, sometimes our gut, my friend Stephen Blackwood says that, trust your gut. He also lost his son. He says, trust your gut and respond. How many times is it just easier for us to be like, oh, that's not what that is? It's easier, right? We don't want to face the fact that this person or this child could be hurting that bad. But trust your gut and respond. Um, A sudden increase, decrease in appetite, and sudden changes in appearance. Um, Not your teenage girl who comes to school and just decides not to wear makeup one day, but she's so used to dressing up and constantly, you know, having everything in place, and days on end she's not fixing up wearing makeup anymore. You want to pay attention to that. Here's a few more statistics. In our nation, on average, over 3,000 children attempt suicide ages 9 to 12. For middle and high school um, ages 12 to 18, suicide is the second leading cause of death, and overall, second leading cause of death for our youth ages 10 to 24. And more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. Isn't that sad? That's just heart-wrenching. 20 years ago when I was in school, it was very rare that you heard of a suicide. I don't even know if I'd heard of one by the time I was 10th or 11th grade. It was rare. Now it's the norm. What has happened? I'll tell you a little bit of my theory right now. Um, I keep seeing this picture in my mind. And I think about how, you know, over the past um, 15 years of, of being in mental health, it's like, I, I think there's this assumption that when children come to counseling or when we're helping with their mental health issues or, or their addictions, that just getting them in counseling and keeping them afloat, right, giving them good survival mechanisms, give them medication, keep them afloat, that that's, we're just going to have to do that until they're 18 years old, right? And I see there's some good in that, right? They need help. Sometimes they need coping skills to survive. I think that assumption, though, has made, has been a grave mistake, And I don't think it's anybody, one person. I think me too. I've been in the mental health world, right? We just didn't see it. Now we're seeing it. I think the assumption was that if we could just keep treating it here and just keep it on the survival mode, they'll be okay. But just like an infection in the arm, if it's a deep infection in the arm and you just keep putting a bandage on it and taking Tylenol and we're not treating the deeper issue, the person gets sicker. Our children and our teenagers in our state and in our nation are sicker than they've ever been emotionally. And suicide is the second leading cause of death. I think the assumption to just keep them afloat, right, talk, talk about it, talk about it, I think that assumption has been a part of the problem. We have to treat the deeper issue. We have to treat it at the root. So recognize and respond. This is very very important now when i did this training with the arkansas department of education um, we uh, i did a lot of consulting with them some wonderful wonderful um, professionals and colleagues and we talked about for teachers and for school districts what you should do so i'm going to train that way because if we have any teachers in here or school districts i want you to hear um, what what we train on because i think this is very important but parents and those of you who work um, for agencies mental health counselors you know it's good for you to also have this information and think about how what you can do in that moment if this child or this teenager is at that place that you're seeing all the threats. You're seeing that the signs of suicide, warning signs. What can we do right now? So we have to act fast. Um, first of all, we we train school districts that it's important for them to have a plan to think through this before it happens. Right. Have a plan. Have a crisis team established. That could be a nurse, a counselor. could be the resource officer. It could be a you know, teacher, a principal. But have a crisis team available. So in the event that there is a child or a teenager who has an active threat of suicide, we know, you know where to take them. And you don't want it to just be one person like the school counselor because what if she's out that day, right? You want a team available. Um, the other thing is we talked about teachers now this was really hard when we went through this training and we consulted and all the research basically says that teachers need to be prepared and ready to ask hard direct questions if they see the signs i can only imagine 18 years ago of being a school teacher how bad that would have scared me to actually have to sit and ask a student are you going to kill yourself that would have scared me to death and i hate that for our teachers that we're at this place in life that we have to do that but i want to tell you teachers sometimes you are the only one who has that opportunity and who can see it. So we, we tell teachers that if you can't, if you really say, I, I, can't, I can't ask this question, I, I can't, then have somebody in your own personal plan, have it, your own personal plan of where you can go. You know, a, a neighbor, a teacher down the hallway, right? Somebody who can ask that hard, direct question. So we, we train teachers to print off the suicide warning signs. Um, ministries, church ministries, you may want to do the same thing. Print off the, the warning signs. Have that in your own folder and have a plan of action of what to do if I see that, warning, that suicide warning sign. And if you have a student that has any of those signs, you want to pull them out by themselves, right, after class. Don't let them leave and go off after class, away from the other students so they're not embarrassed. And you want to ask them very hard, indirect questions. And do it with love. But ask them two very direct questions. Are you having suicidal thoughts? And are you going to kill yourself? Because students can maneuver around the edges if you don't ask them very direct questions. Are you having suicidal thoughts? And are you going to kill yourself? Now, a student may respond in a couple of ways. The first thing, they may step back and say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Because it may embarrass them, right? Probably be awkward for you too. But at that point, then you would say, oh, good. <laughs> you know, that, I just I want to show you this, this, this warning sign, this, this list of warning signs, um, that I saw you had this one and it really concerned me. And I just care enough about you. Remember, you want to reach their hearts, right? I care enough about you. I want to make sure you're okay. So I'm going to follow up and give this to the school counselor, okay? I know you say you're not going to do that, but I care enough about you. I'm going to have her follow up. You want a second set of eyes on it. And the other thing, the other way the child may respond is, yeah, I think I'm going to. And that happens more often than you would realize as well. And then a part of your personal plan of action is to take them to the crisis team. And a crisis team will have the hospitals and the parents' information and what they need to do at that level. Um, So once again, ministry teams, you may want to think about that as well. What do you do if you see that? Parents, what do you do? If you see that. Have people to reach out to. Don't wait. Be quick to respond. And then begin to inundate those students with and those children with the seven and eight needs of love. And we're going to talk about how to do that. Just flood their little gardens with seeds of love. Okay? In the process of getting them help. All right. So suicide is preventable. Early intervention and education is the key. We've already said that, haven't we? I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I think we've got to repeat. Okay, there we go. All right. Um, I am going to give everybody a break. Have we got it to a full hour yet, Alan? We haven't. T- okay, so I'm going to give everybody a quick break, and then what we're going to do next is we're going to go straight in to the actual strategies. I'm going to give you tools and hands-on things that you can do. You can leave here today and begin to implement into your own children's lives. And if you're a teacher or a school or a counselor, we're going to give you tools and strategies to begin to implement, okay? So let's take about a 10-minute break, come back about three.